we had been talking about true honor, but in praying, I really believe there is something God would like to say to us this morning. And I know that God speaks through his word and speaks to us. And uh, so if you will, open up your Bibles to Proverbs, the fourth chapter, Proverbs 4. Then when we get there, I'll explain the direction. And I've noticed something about God's direction in our lives or in my life. And then I've seen it this way in other people's lives that often God prepares us, and sometimes it takes a little while to prepare us, or he endeavors to prepare us for something he's going to do. Ready or not, sometimes here it comes. Are you with me? Uh, In other words, he's been endeavoring and endeavoring, and, you know, sometimes in preparation, it can get mundane and, and old, and like, are we still doing this? And he's like, I'm still working this into you. But how many of you know that God can kind of start giving you glimpses about the future from way in the past? You know, I had been talking to somebody who, who does a Bible study in the church somewhere, and uh, he had said how God had spoken to him how this would look at some point. And, uh, but right now, it, it's not there visibly. But how many of you know if God says something, he's not lying? He's not lying. When he gives you a picture about something or puts something into your spirit, he's not lying. You know, in the Old Testament said, though it tarries in in the book of Habakkuk, wait for it because it will surely speak or become evident and become apparent and everybody will know. Everybody will see it. And, And God, in my experience, will, you know, along the path kind of remind us, you know, every now and then that's ahead. That's ahead, just to kind of keep hope there. But there is always a day of fulfillment. And sometimes that day comes, and maybe we've been noticing he's been, things have been changing, or there's something that seems to be lit in me, meaning there's some kind of illumination uh, that there is change. And that, that you're kind of on it. And so in praying, I'm going to talk about moving on and moving in. And I'm going to talk about what to do as we enter into things or transition. And, and so Proverbs 4.18 is kind of an overview of the Christian life. It says, but the path of the just, or other translations say the righteous... The path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. Then it goes on to say, but the path of the, or the way of the wicked is like darkness, and they do not know, implying we do know, what makes them stumble. They're just going along, stumbling along, But he said, the path of the righteous from God's standpoint grows brighter and brighter. But how many of you know, sometimes a brightness can come in different degrees. You know, uh, the sunrise or even a sunset lately in the middle of the summer here, I don't know, in, in my experience, it seems like it's real slow getting dark and then all of a sudden it's dark and it's later at night and 
I've noticed that hiking, sometimes it seems like there's just a little bit of light, and it's progressing, and it's progressing, and it's progressing, and then all of a sudden, boom, it's bright. It's upon you. And so I want to talk about how to move in, what things need to be done, whether it's something corporately for a group of people like a church, or individually, what individuals need to do to move into the things that God has for them and that God may be actually already dealing with people about. And I'm, I'm convinced of this. There sometimes God doesn't tell us like, hey, tomorrow this is going to happen. But he's been warning us and we should know his character that he's good and he's not a liar. So it can flash. And I've said this before because there is a scripture in the book of Acts that talks about suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were assembled. And I've posted about this and written about it and talked about it, but it probably would fit right here. You know, you'll hear people say, I love the suddenlies of God. And I've said, well, that suddenly, suddenly happened, but wasn't sudden. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before God prophesied, I'm going to pour out my spirit. Joel prophesied about it. And as you move through, you can see other times where hundreds of years and hundreds of years before, you know, but even more current hundreds, God spoke about that day. And then Jesus came upon the earth and he spoke about that day. But when he spoke about it and when uh, John the Baptist spoke about it, they were three years and a couple of years out. I mean, all of a sudden we've moved through a big thing and we're getting close. And then all of a sudden, Jesus, just a few days before it happened, he spoke again to them, and he said, just wait. And he said, not many days from now. You know, God can do a not many days from now thing to you, and you think, well, what does that mean, not many days from now? You know, because in my life, God's dealt with me. Some things are close, and on my schedule, it didn't look close. But when God starts dealing with people or dealing with me and said, not many days from now, or it's very, very soon, we should um, think about it and begin to prepare ourselves because there are some things, kind of like the Beverly Hillbillies, you know, there was potential in their land the whole time. And if you don't know who the Beverly Hillbillies are, it's a TV program that was on years ago and has found its way into reruns. But there was a guy who had oil on his property and was basically wealthy, but not experiencing the wealth. And one day he went out to shoot an animal and oil came up and his whole life changed. But the thing about the change of his life was this. He had the thing the whole time on his property, but then it came forth. And one thing about it coming forth was that it changed and revolutionized his life. His present existence changed. But one of the things about 
the change that happened was it wasn't just the external things that needed to change for the family. It was some internal things that were desperately needing to change. How many of you have ever seen the Beverly Hillbillies? Okay, good. A number of people have. Well, they're, they're these hicks from the sticks. I don't know if you're allowed to say that, but it's correct. They, they wore scraggly old clothes. They did all kinds of things that you would think maybe stereotypical of the hills. But they came into this new change, and, and it was kind of thrust on them. And so they have new wealth, and they move to the best city, and there is beautiful stuff in the city. So they get a mansion, they show up, and their mindset is still a mountain mindset. You know, they moved, they're moving into something new, and they're thinking they've got a cement pond. We call it a swimming pool. And they, they don't know about a refrigerator. They don't know about all these different things. And they're carrying their mentality into this new land. And they're functioning often pretty hilariously in a place in a way that that kind of is just a mix match you know you've got these people who show up at the bank you know where all their money is and people treat them different because they just act and look different what what did they need to do they needed to change their mindset to what to where they were going that meant they were going to have to leave their mindset of the past behind and you know, there are true scriptures that, or scriptures that truly portray this for believers. One of them is here in Philippians, the third chapter. And this is true for anybody. You get a promotion at work, or, or you're wanting a promotion at work, or you're going to start your own business, or maybe you have a business and you want your business to do better. It's not doing like you would like, or it is doing what you want, but you want to go to the next level, maybe it's a relationship. You're wanting to go to a greater level. You know, I want to be a better parent. I want to be a better whatever it is, husband, wife. These principles that we're going to look at here are helpful for people moving into something better. How many of you know you could have something really good and God would like to take it to something better. And he could be doing something in our midst and going, hey, we're entering into something good, but, but we need to be careful we don't go into it with a Beverly Hills hillbillies mentality. And I understand sometimes you get thrust into things, things happen, and we're not fully equipped for it, or we aren't thinking appropriately about it. And so let's look at this here in Philippians, the third chapter. Paul, who was converted, had a mighty salvation. He went from a murderer, a persecutor, to a preacher. And then he had this proving time. And then after this proving time, he was like thrust into a different position. And things began to change then. But here in Philippians, the third chapter... This was something he did throughout his life. It's something every believer should do, I believe, 
throughout their life. But it can fit in what we're talking about today really specifically. Notice this in Philippians 3.13. It says, brethren, that counts for sistren too. I do not count myself to have apprehended. In other words, I haven't got it all, done it all. And you know, one thing as we're growing with God and we're moving forward in any endeavor in life is don't get a know-it-all attitude. It's really important to realize we can grow, we can be teachable, we can learn, And that is a real important thing to moving forward. Because if I know everything, then there's no room for me ahead because I'm as far as I think I can go because I pretty much know it all. I have arrived. So we need to realize when it comes to God, do we really know it all? Or do we think we just really know a little bit, but there's room to grow? So one thing about moving forward into something new is be flexible, be pliable, be teachable, because that gives you the ability to take in new. If I am willing to question, and not my fundamental beliefs, so to speak, you know, Christ died, Christ rose again, he's the only way to heaven, the word of God is true and fallible, it's been protected by God. Not so much those things, but maybe some nuances about different things. But when it comes to different areas, being flexible you know, as a group, as a church, as interacting, whether it's a job, like I said, a, a relationship with, you know, your kids. Don't think, you know, or at least I think this is important from what he said. We need to kind of adopt the mentality, I don't know everything. Because you know what that will do? It will help me get solutions and it will open me to prepare me for what I am to move in or to even if I've started moving into it to make me more effective, more fruitful, more fruit-bearing, just a richer person in God, uh, greater for the kingdom, greater benefit across the board. And so he said here in the third, 13th verse, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. He said, and, and what's interesting to me, he said, there's one thing I do, and then he tells two, but really they're connected. Forgetting those things which are behind. That's real important when you move forward. In business endeavors, whatever. Some of those things might be good that we've done in the past, but some of the ideas will maybe hinder you in the future. Because the ideas of the past maybe fit the past and made the past what the past was. So they, they fit it. They worked there. They, they, they filled the space that made us stay there. But how many of you know if God's path grows brighter and brighter, he's pulling us to something bigger? guiding us to the dreams that he put in our hearts so that we could live life with hope 
an expectation for greater things, and he's endeavoring to move us there. But what I'm talking about today is, whoa, what if things are all of a sudden thrust upon you and they're starting to come to pass? Well, then I have to realize I've got to stay teachable because my thoughts maybe really worked to make what now is, but will they, in a bigger space, will smaller thoughts fit in a bigger space? Sure they will, but they won't fill the bigger space. You get what I'm saying? Meaning when the Beverly Hillbillies, and I'm not trying to preach a Beverly Hillbillies sermon, but their thoughts did not extend out far enough when they went into Beverly Hills. They only extended so far. They didn't know what a refrigerator was. They, they didn't know what a washing machine is. They're still using a clothesline or doing different things and a washboard. Their thoughts didn't extend big enough. And how many of you realize that can be a real conflict in life? God is giving you a vision, a dream about work, about the church, that's so much bigger about your life, that's so much bigger, and I'm limiting uh, myself and don't even know it because I'm thinking at a smaller level. And so when it says forget the things that are behind, it can be some old way of thinking. Everybody okay? Because why? God wants you to get bigger thinking so that you can fill properly what's ahead. So right here in the 13th verse, he said, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. You know, there are things that are ahead. And uh, I have to reach to them. I have to reach to them in my actions, but I have to reach to them in my mentality. Now you understand, you don't want to be presumptuous about your mentality because then you might dream about things that don't have substance and when you go to take a step, there's nothing to step on. But if you do have vision and dreams that are from God, be careful where you, uh, how would you say this, the timing of them because you don't want to go, it's coming to pass now and it may not be and then you get frustrated but when you do see things come to pass and God is dealing with you about different things, you need to learn to adopt new ways of thinking. And in order to adopt new ways of thinking, old ways can be comfortable. Anybody ever notice that? It's comfortable just to stay, stay the same. But it, it doesn't open up life to what it should be. And so when he said here, forgetting those things which are behind, I reach toward the things that are ahead, I press toward the goal. We could say it like this, the vision or the dream. The prize for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. There is an upward call. In other words, we want to live our life to the fullest in God until the day we're gone and get that prize. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. So what are things that we ought to think about as we transition? Because life will have transitions. Going from glory to glory. Going from one place to another place. 
these things about forgetting what's behind. Not that we lose the fondness of the fun things or the good things that have happened or some of the bad things. Can we learn from those and go, okay, I'm going to keep that, but I'm not going to, I'm going to forget certain parts about it, the stinging, the ow, but I'm going to keep that somewhere. I'm going to forget certain parts of those, but I'm going to keep that so I can learn and I can help myself in the future and maybe help somebody else that it would fit. You know, because some things we learn, you know, the Bible talks about a wise man learning from a fool's way, not calling you a fool or me a fool. But when we have done something or something hasn't turned out like we wanted, we can learn from it. But we don't need to be paralyzed by it. And so we need to adopt new way of thinking. Turn to Deuteronomy. Forget the past. Learn to deal with thoughts. You know, and thoughts can be uh, nurtured and thoughts need to be starved. One man said, starve your doubts and feed your faith and your faith will grow. Well, that is so true. Starve certain things. You know, I've years ago I told this story. Uh, one time I... Uh, lived right by the mountains. My, my door opened up. There was a little access road. There was a house and another house. And some Buddhist monks bought it and turned one of them into like a little shrine temple thing. And then the Angeles National Forest went straight up the hill. It was cool. Walk out the door, deer walking there, coyotes running through the neighborhood, bobcats, and perfect fit for me. And... Um, and now I forgot where I was going about. I'll remember. Sorry, I started dreaming about it. Go off all over the place. Where was I before? Managing your thoughts. I was talking about managing your thoughts. But I'll go back to that and pick it up. Oh, feeding them. But anyway, when I lived there, it was real common for people throughout the neighborhood because I like to walk or ride my bike or whatever. And so if I just had a short time to walk, I'd walk up the street and around, and you're basically in the mouth of a canyon, beautiful area, but it wasn't uh, uncommon to see, have you seen my cat or dog posters? Well, not lately, and you probably ain't going to see it again either. You know, you come home, coyotes or packs of them are running through the neighborhood, or a bobcat's cruising around. They're not looking to have a picnic with your cat, unless your cat is the picnic. And so I realized, you know what, I cannot have a cat here. This would not be appropriate. But one of the neighbors uh, up the street had, had a cat or a young cat, and they kind of adopted it. Well, that cat would come by, and I thought, this is my opportunity to have a cat without owning a cat. So I would go get a slice of cheese and tear it up and feed the cat, and it would start coming around. And I'm like, perfect. Hey, you want some milk? You can come in. You know, and I'm letting this cat into my house, and I'm like, this is awesome. It's their cat. It's not my cat, and we're friends. I get 
friends with benefits, you know, the cat, he goes home and does a thing. Well, I had these planters right around my front door, and that cat started turning into a kitty litter box. And I'm like, I don't know if I like you anymore. <laughs> you, you know, you're just sticking around, and I'm like, okay, now I'm not going to feed you anymore. And you know that thing we keep coming around? And it, and it kept thinking that was its kitty litter box now. I mean, I put chicken wire over it thinking, okay, if I do this just for a short time, it's going to stop it. But how many of you realize sometimes there are thoughts that have just been dominant in our life and we just need to start starving them? Eventually, they're going to leave. Well, that cat left in a different way with a sign that said, have you seen our cat? I said, bummer. But thoughts are the same way. Some thoughts need to be fed and they'll stay. Others need to be starved. Maybe we fed them, fostered them where we've been, but they're not appropriate for where we're going. And so if we're going to go somewhere, there are some thoughts you're just going to have to starve. The me thoughts, the self-thoughts or whatever they are, things that are connected to the land you're coming out of. And that's important because, you know, that cat got in the routine of there it is. That's where I get to go because it was constantly being fed. And so, so it is true. Notice this in Deuteronomy, way back in, the, in your Bible, in the 11th chapter, and God had um, talked to the children of Israel, and he had told them, I'm going to take you into a new land. And then all of a sudden, you know, he told them 400 and something years before, and now it's starting to happen. And, and if you are familiar with the story about what God was doing, wanting to bring them into this new land, they had a mentality that needed to change to meet the land that they were going into. And God even talked to them about it. Notice this, verse 11 of the 11th chapter. But the land which you cross over to possess, in other words, you've got to possess it, you've got to do something, is a land of hills and valleys which drinks water from the rain of heaven. That is huge. See, they were coming out of a land that God was blessing, but the blessing wasn't the same. It, it was called a table land where they would have to uh, irrigate it themselves. They had some kind of fabricy tube, I guess you would say, and, and they would get water in there and then they would walk it out like this and it would push the water along and it would go in and water it. So they were in a land that was prospering, but there was a much more of them doing the work than altogether uh, some of the work, so to speak, just being taken care of, more of a directing of it. And so he said, now you're going to go into a land that drinks the rain of the water of heaven. So now what you're going to do, instead of trying to walk that water line and make it happen, now you're just going to need to direct what's happening. 
that's a huge difference. And it's going to be flowing at a greater rate. It's going to be bigger. And what's so interesting is the very next verse says, it's a land for which the Lord, your God, cares. Almost implying, not that God doesn't care about where you're at now, but it's kind of like, this is the fulfillment of my plan. This is where my eye has been for you all along. And his eye is upon this land, and he's looking at this land, and he said, it's a land for which the Lord your God cares. The eyes of the Lord your God are always on it. Here's what's so wild. God had been looking after them, caring about them, doing good things for them, but his eye had been looking ahead the whole time. Going, my eye has been on this land where I want to take you. I've been looking there, my eye is on it, and, and uh, it's a land I really care about. Well, that's pretty good, because here's the thing. How many of us care about our future and realize it's brighter than our past? Because we have a dream, we've had a vision, we've had something where God has showed us something that's bigger, brighter, better, and we think, wow, how good it is. But how many of you realize he's been looking at it and he cares about that? He's been like, wow. For him, it's kind of maybe like a parent at Christmas. You know, kids wait for Christmas because there's excitement. But how many parents look forward to Christmas because of what they get to give? Not just what they get. I know that's a weird concept when you're a kid. That's strange. Who doesn't want to open a package? But what joy it does give to somebody to be able to give a real gift that somebody would love. And here, God is laying this out. It's a land for which the Lord, your God, cares. The eyes of the Lord, your God, are always on it. From the beginning of the year to the very end of the year. In other words, there's not a day that's going to go by when you enter into this new place that it's not a place that God cares about. His care is there. His eyes are there. He's observing for the good. And he's in this place talking about this transition. And so when they're transitioning, we know that some of the people as they transitioned weren't looking at it like God was looking at it. They said, we're not able to do this. We're grasshoppers to be able to go up there. And God's like, no, you can do it. Where did they get this grasshopper mentality? From a lifestyle of being a servant to Egyptians for all those years. I mean, this could be true about people who are newly saved. You know, they've given their life to the Lord and they think, man, I'm just a sinner. I'm just this dirty thing, but God saved me. He gave me a ticket to heaven. No, He recreated you. He made you something that never existed before. Forget the past. You, that's gone. There's a new future. And see, we can see this about how we are to come into a new land. How many of you know when a person gets saved, they come forward into a new land? So there has to be a forgetting, 
and there has to be a retraining and an adoption of new thoughts. Notice this, talking about transitioning into, and literally when I was praying about this, I kept hearing that phrase, move on. And then I heard this, move on to the next chapter. You know, when you move into a new chapter, often a new chapter brings up a new subject in a book. Isn't that true? When you look at a new chapter, there may be some thoughts of the past, but they can be completely different. And so for me to move into the next chapter, I may have to just go, I got to let that go. That has no place where I'm going. And you know, we can be fond of things we shouldn't be fond of. They can be protection to us. But at the same time, what we think might be protection might actually be holding us back. How can I trust again? How can I do this? Hey, if we're going on, the more we can get rid of before we go in or as we're transitioning, the better. I realize we can't always get rid of everything. Because when we move into new things, they present challenges that will challenge us. Because our old way of thinking. Or new ways of thinking. Or even we might have adopted new things that seem to be good, and they would work, but they do need to be tweaked even more. Are you with me? And isn't that true in a new job, a new relationship? But they're really true about kingdom business too. They're really true. They are so true. Notice this in Isaiah 43. Isaiah, the 43rd chapter. And, and here is another time when God was transitioning people into something new that was greater. And, and let me say something about this, and I know I'm going back to the thinking. You know, some thoughts take a little bit to die. Don't, don't be bothered by that. Don't, don't be startled by a thought that persists in stain. But be resilient and be persistent that this thought does not get to stay and it may keep springing up but you can get it. Years ago, growing up in California, we would go to Montana and many of you have heard that. We'd vacation there but they always had berries, wild berries. Southern California, you have wild weeds. Don't even have to plant them. But so we brought back some berries and thought, we'll, we'll plant these. And what we'll do is uh, every year we're going to have berries and we, before we go to Montana or after. And man, these things took hold. And they started growing. But anybody been around a berry patch? How many of you know berry patches don't just stay there? They stick in you and they break off in your hand and they go with you and you got these things stuck and you pinch them and out they come. But berries are great, but one thing is they just get roots and they can get nasty. 
and they grow and they grow and they grow and then they start bearing their fruit and after a while they're there and I remember my dad saying we've got to do something about this they've grown across this wall great to eat them but for what they wanted to do in the future they wanted to put some different citrus in and different things and and get this land mass back in their possession we're going to kill them so my dad's diligent out there killing them well I was a working superintendent for a commercial paint subcontractor so we always had materials left over because these are huge jobs we're doing and they would have used paint thinner they call it hot paint thinner or hot thinner where they let it float up and it becomes real good and the bottom is the junk so it's reusable so I said, I'll tell you what, we'll, after working for more than a year trying to get <laughs> the roots out, I said, paint thinner, we can just pour it in the ground and start killing this. Eventually it's going to come out. Otherwise, this stuff's just going to keep growing and growing and growing. So we just start, I'd get it from job sites, dump it in there, dump it in there. We thought, we've got the victory boink up it comes over here just dump and dump I'm like hopefully the person bought the house is like why won't anything grow there no I'm kidding things did grow there it evaporated out and now if you've never seen a triangular shape a grapefruit those would grow and we don't know why they grew like that but anyway, there ought no I'm kidding but everything grew fine the stuff evaporated out but, man, we, we worked on those things. We worked on those things. We worked on that. And eventually we got it. And sometimes thoughts can be like that. You think, man, I've got it. And a month later it pops up. You're getting it. Just stay with it. And then don't just get rid of a thought. Introduce a new way. Something that's appropriate to the land you're going into. So notice this in Isaiah uh, 43, verse 18. It says, do not remember the former things. Isaiah 43, verse 18. What an appropriate statement. How many of you know God knows how we function and what's best for us to move forward? Do not remember the former things. And you may have fond memories. It may have been good. But if the path of the righteous grows brighter and brighter, and it does, then know this, put the fondness of that in its place. That it can't be as good as what I'm going into because how God is. It just can't be as good even if it was good. Your past is not the highest part of your life. Not in God's design. The future has to be. And sometimes if you've maybe been creeping along for a while, you can get thoughts established that maybe I've hit the pinnacle. No, not from God's standpoint. So you have to think bigger. And realize He does have something that's ahead that's bigger and when he said, do not remember the former days, he wasn't altogether saying the former days were bad. Maybe there were some bad things. But maybe there was a bunch of good things. 
maybe it was mostly good. I mean, what if our life was good and every day got better and better and we're 80, 90, 99? Do we think we've just, you know, hit the peak? No, for those of us who are saved, this past will pale in comparison to eternity. So even there, we may have had good and it got better, but with God, it's just going to get better. And so he said, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. In other words, don't ponder them, weigh it out. You know, there are scriptures in the Bible that when it talks about considering, he said, consider yourself to be dead to sin. Consider yourself to be free. Consider yourself to be healed. Consider yourself to be loved. And here he said, nor consider the things of old. What does that mean? Don't picture them. We may look at them and go, yeah, that was fun. We did that. But don't let that be the high point of your mentality. Sure, a rich thing, a good thing, maybe a bad thing. But he said, don't consider. Why? Because if we think that was the big thing, remember that thought that filled that space is not a big enough thought for where you're going. So he said, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. You know what really uh, an appropriate mentality of the land that the Lord is taking us to is? This is something, if you're taking notes, you might want to write it down. Is... A lot of labor in the old things, or even if you read these stories, there was a lot of labor, and God worked with them, and things were brought forth. But it seems like as you move into the new, in things like this, there are those phrases, I'm doing it. Or it is a land that drinks of the rain of the water of heaven. It seems to be in these things that go further in God, there seems to be more grace, more of his, you know, or more of our cooperation with his big work, where we're more managing it and trying just to produce it. And there is a huge difference in that. Managing something and trying to produce something are completely different. To manage flood water is different than to pump water. And that is a real mindset change where I'm not trying to do everything and work, 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 though I do work, though we do put in effort, but it's now that there is a greater outside force. You know, there's a big difference between paddling a boat and hoisting a sail and steering a boat. You're both going places, but there's more of an assistance from an outside force. And that is a mentality that I think is appropriate 
that you should adopt. And there, and there is a reality to that. In other words, if you become a boss, and when you become a boss, you've got to learn to manage more instead of just do. Both of them may take work, but one is going to bring about greater results. And when God said, do not, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old, behold, I will do a new thing. Now shall it spring forth. Shall you not know it or perceive it and grasp it? I will even make a road in the wilderness, a way to travel. Maybe you've been traveling, but isn't it true that once a road is there, you can travel the road easier than where there's not a road? Just all the symbolism. I will make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. We have canals and aqueducts. He's, we made those. He's going to make rivers. Complete different mindset. And he said it springs forth. Let's close over here. Kind of went a little bit longer, but I think, I think it was necessary. Zechariah, and we'll close here. And uh, talking about moving in. One thing about some moving in is there is a lot of self-labor. And some of the moving in with God as we move along, there is a lot more grace working to move us in. And it's more of a working with it. So, Zechariah 4 verse 10. And you may have heard these verses before. Actually, I'm going to read it from the literal standard version. It says, The hands of Zerubbabel founded this house, and his hands did finish it. And you have known that Yahweh of hosts has sent me to you. Verse 11, this is the one you've probably heard. For who has despised the day of small things. Some translations say, don't despise the day of small beginnings. What had happened was, they were transitioning, and Zerubbabel came with this cornerstone or this piece to start the new temple. It seemed like such a small thing that was going on, but this small thing was actually the beginning of a big thing. And once people started seeing the small thing, they didn't despise that day anymore. Actually, they rejoiced because they knew what was connected with that small thing that started. Some of the people did. And it, and it goes on to say, For who has despised the day of small things? But these seven will be glad when they see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. These are the eyes of Yahweh, which roam to and fro throughout the whole earth. Remember the verses we read before? It said God's eyes are on that land. His eyes are always on that land. Before we entered into the land, before we are standing at the wall of the land, His eyes have been in the land looking 
for a long time with care and longing, knowing we will walk in it. And so what happens here, you see that same thing. The Lord was looking at the land. They had come to this place of transition, and he pulls out what seems to be such a small thing, but the eyes of the Lord looked, and he knew this this is the measurement. This is the stone. This is what they'll build off of. This is how it's all starting. And he was excited for it. Because he had been watching and caring about that land. And so one thing that's real important as we move in is keep walking with God. Keep Him first in your life. His perspective as we transition into these things is huge. Because he was looking at it while others were despising it. He was like, yes, this is it. That line right there is going to be the line that they build off of. And it's going to build this new thing. And it's an awesome thing. And others are thinking, this is such a tiny thing. And some maybe despised it. But God was going, yes. I've been looking at the land. And now you've entered and you are starting, and you're there. 